There's quite enough love for all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy for all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you to know with me and allow my words to be your words. If you choose. Let us, in our own way, connect with that divine presence that resides within each and every one, all of life. However you do that is perfect. And so as we come into that awareness to that energetic field, of oneness, of recognition, I affirm and know that each one of us, myself included, is informed this day in ways that perhaps I cannot even imagine to stand in the delight and the wonder of life. We come together and know that not only are we making ourselves available to this relationship, but we are being done unto in ways we cannot imagine as well. So opening ourselves to the idea of health, opening ourselves to the idea of abundance, opening ourselves to the experience of love, opening ourselves to the idea of infinite possibility. And in that intention, we step into that relationship. And so I know that as I speak these words, all that is required is my agreement your agreement and to allow ourselves to be delighted we did not create the laws of life but we can use the laws of life let us use these laws of life wisely and beautifully productively and so I just give thanks this day for life for this moment this opportunity to come together in spiritual practice of quiet and beautiful recognition of the river of life and that we step into it beautifully, wondrously, joyfully. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Thank you. It has been a busy, a full, a very full weekend here, and and so I, as Reverend Tammy so beautifully expressed, the gratitude for so many people um, participating in so many ways, and and um, so it was quite lovely to be part of it and and to connect with people too, and find out all the gifts and talents we have in this community was really wonderful. I, I stopped into the trade show yesterday, and it was we held here with different vendors and. 
And uh, I thought I'd spend about 10 minutes, and I was here for about an hour and a half. So I left once I was out of money is what I had to do. I had to go to the ATM. But it's so much fun to be able to support people and, and wonderful artists and different modalities. So with that, to, to mention that, I want to circulate gratitude. And um, what I want to do at first is, is, uh, is part of my... Um, Offering to you is to model the, one of the, the Q processes that I use my Q, Q card, um, the quantum. Q means quantum if you're here for the first time. It's a process that we're washing through our community in, in many ways. We have, uh, uh, there's eight of us right now going through the facilitator training, and that is, so we're in the, the heart of that right now. But in the Q process, we, we do everything we can to stay on our Q card, which is really about living an intentional life. So I'm going to share with you. Uh, the Q process, and uh, we are doing more and more of a, a better job of this when we start our meetings and anything that we do come together um, with uh, to be, make this part of our practice. And so, <clears throat> what I'm going to ask you is to please have compassion for me when I show up on my shadow card, which is when I'm feeling alone, flawed, fearful, in lack, self-centered, and stupid. So, stupid was a word that I'm working with this week. So. Um, because each, so I'm in the 21 days again, and, and so as I go through and identify various qualities that uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm dragging along with me, uh, it's beautiful to bring it into light, and I'll, I'll speak more about that uh, today. But because this is who I have come here to be, so this is my cue card, not my shadow card. I've come here to be invincible, brilliant, loving, or loved, creative, whole or wholeness, generous, and free. So if you would support me in that today, I would greatly appreciate that. And I support you in that and so much more of what, who you've come here to be. Because we've come here to be something. And so uh, I've, I've been using the Living the Science of Mind by Dr. Ernest Holmes. It's just a wonderful book. And all of the annual themes for uh, the year with uh, our organization are, uh, come from this book. And the chapter of this today is The Door That... You alone, I'm sorry, it's not that. How you build your tomorrows today. I should turn to the right page. My book moved. How to build your tomorrows today. There are three things that I want to look at with you out of this chapter, and I'm also going to share some of the Derek Rydell work out of Emergence. So we have gone back to doing the same talk for both services, although they do change a bit. But, uh, um, uh, and if you'd like to know more information about that, you can certainly ask me, but... Uh, um, um, that is um, the current format that we're following. So Dr. Holmes says in this chapter, life is an adventure in which we never know what is going to happen just beyond the turn of the road. But too often our today is filled with regrets over the past. If we could convince ourselves and the, uh, that the limitations of the past need not be carried into the future, what a happy outlook we should have. Does anybody carry anything from the past with them? We all do. It's one of the reasons we're doing the Q process here because it's part of, it's part of the, the journey. And, not, and the Q process isn't for everyone. It's not a magic bullet, but it is a, it is a practice. It's a, a daily practice for 21 days. Now, I'm going, I'm going through my fourth round of the Q process, and I'll tell you that it's been amazing. Some of the memories and some of the things that I've been able to rescript. And I'm very grateful for it. So these things I want to talk about today as you choose... Two is the theme of your life, and then we're going to do something called the blessed water. So if you'll bear with me here, you'll understand all more in a few minutes here. So Dr. Holmes says, 
this in, the, in this beautiful chapter. He said, today is the only day in which we live, and yesterday has forever passed. The change that we need to make within ourselves must be made today. It sounds just like Eckhart Tolle, doesn't it? The power of now. I mean, Dr. Holmes was, was on this stuff. He just such a beautiful consciousness. And so we have to live each day as though it were complete and perfect unto itself. We have to live each day as if all the joy in the universe were ours now. I mean, that's a big task. Isn't it all the joy in the universe? Anybody here have joy mastered? I think I do, and then I go out to get in my car, and somebody says something, and it's, darn it, I, I lost it again. But what I'm finding, and, and we're finding with the, the, the Q process, so this is really identifying triggers, and then we, we, we write about it. We identify the, 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 the shadows, the, the shadow piece that comes up because it's about shadow integration. What I'm seeing with my fellow students, and I'm experiencing myself, it's getting harder and harder. Some days there are days that really don't have a significant trigger. So then I've really got to sit down and think, hmm, no, okay. And, and, and I almost have to go out and drive around in traffic for a while to find a trigger. But that's a good sign. I'm not saying all the time, but there are days like that. Dr. Holmes says, if we make every day a day of praise and thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving, a day in which we recognize the divine bounty and the eternal goodness, and if we live today as though God were the only presence and the only power there is, we would not have to worry about tomorrow. So the juice in all this, the juice in all of it, and, and I, I just, it's so simple, and yet such a challenge because our the busyness of life, the muchness of life. How do we connect? How do you connect? How do I connect? Someone, I have people, someone asked me the other day, you know, how do you, how do you talk to God? And um, I said, well, prayer. But um, it's so much a part of how I operate that I'm always listening. I'm not talking to God so much as I'm listening. And it's quiet. It's in the quiet. And sometimes quiet is really a challenge because there's a lot going on. And so it's, uh, um, and how do you do that? How do I do that? Dr. Holmes said this about, he talked about Jesus at the beginning of the chapter. He said, Jesus did not seem to think that this change required months and years of strenuous effort. Unlike those around him, he knew that God or the divine spirit wishes only good for everyone. He knew that we are all rooted in pure spirit, in perfect life, and that at any moment we can so unify ourselves with the power of good that evil will disappear from our experience. So it's once again, it's about the unification. It's about understanding our divine nature and opening to that. Yogananda used to say that his prayer towards the end of his life was simply God, God, God. And so when I'm in meditation, sometimes I'm really distracted. I just use Yogananda's mantra, God, God, God. Because what I know is when I, turn my, when I open my heart and turn in that direction, something shifts within me. And, and sometimes the, the, that little kid within me gets very impatient because I want it to be something more dramatic. But yet it always, it's always showing up. And the more that I can go there first before I do things, so there's something to know before to, we do. And that requires mindfulness. This is a very, very challenging practice. And if we forget, then how do we not beat ourselves up for forgetting? We make an agreement, we strike an agreement, then we forget. And then the, my practice, the way I was sort of domesticated, was there's something wrong with me, there's a flaw within me, when it's just I forgot. I just forgot. And so what I can do then is, is not get triggered, but I can simply move back into alignment. Go, yeah, I forgot, I forgot, but I'm remembering, I'm remembering right now. As if we were with a, a, a child. 
My, uh, our granddaughter, Laura, spent two, two days. We finally, our, our daughter-in-law and son went on a little outing for the first time in 11 months. And they went down to Pigeon Lake and they went to a spa. So we were doing uh, grandkid duty. Uh, and Laura was doing it more than I was. I just went over to relieve her because I had a lot of stuff going on too. But the joy there and the innocence. And, you know, Audrey now, two and a half. And when, she, when we say something to her, she'll say, well, that's a good idea. Everything's a good idea to Audrey. That's a good idea. And we negotiate with her. But it's so lovely to bring, to bring an awareness of, of, uh, and perspective of what Dr. Holmes talked about, about the goodness of life. That, you know, I was raised in that environment. The, th- the reason that I'm here with you is I was raised in an environment that we're going to beat you until you become the person we need you to become. Because that's all, the only tool my, my dad had. And there was so much chaos. So going back through and doing the Q process and looking at those things that happened, you know, uh, and, and with new eyes and realizing that they did everything they could. That was, that was the toolbox they had. And that was the mindset then too, you know, that, you know to, to talk back to your parents. I mean, it's so, it's so great when Audrey is upset because she gets mad. And then we just get to witness it and not get hooked by it or feel like we have to push it down, but let her have the fullness of her, of her uh, anger. And her parents do it too, it's so lovely. I mean, this is part of growing up. This is a, reading a wonderful book called Thoughts Without a Thinker. This is a psychologist that has married together the Buddhist tradition. And right at the beginning of the book, he talks about how important it is for us to experience disappointment. Isn't that interesting that we we think, well, geez, we should show up and never be disappointed. But disappointment triggers us to become resilient, to become our own person. And so Audrey can carry on and scream. She doesn't carry on very long. She's she's a very uh, calm young lady. But once in a while, you know, when she can't watch television as much as she wants, she she objects. And so we let her object. And then when she gets done, when the, when the volume decreases, we suggest something else. And within 10 seconds, she's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could live our lives like that and people would allow us the space to just have our, our, have our moment, have our humanity without having to judge it and, and analyze it and, and, and place blame and shame on us, but to simply then move into an, a space of creativity. That's a good idea. So it's wonderful, I'm so, I feel so blessed to, to be able to offer that because a lot of it is doing nothing but witnessing. A lot of it is allowing because there's a divine presence within her that knows. Her soul's got a blueprint and I want, I'm fascinated to see what it is and I want her to be a person that can take a stand and to ha- find their voice. It took me until I was in my 30s, to, I, years of therapy. I wish I could get all that money back but it was worth every penny. So isn't it lovely that her problems will be different? She'll have challenges, she'll have disappointment, but then I can stand there and go, well, tell me about that. Tell me about disappointment. And to find ways to, to help separate her personality from the experience. We're not our experience, we have our experience. It's not who we are. So Dr. Holmes says, too often our minds are so burdened because of the mistakes that we have made that we do not take time to forgive ourselves and others and to start over again. Hallelujah. And so it is wise to occasionally review the past and try and find out just what we have been thinking and doing to create this burden in our minds. That's so simple. To ask the question, to look, to slow it down. What have I been doing? 
that brought me to this, which is so perfect. What is it that has brought me to this? What is it that's brought you to the situation that you're in now? Because the same power and the same presence that brought you this can take you where you'd like to go. And it takes practice. You know, all great athletes practice. They get up every day and they practice. They do something, maybe not every day, but most of the time. Great, great musicians practice. To be proficient at anything requires practice. And this is, requires some of the most rigorous practice I know. And he's talking here about forgiveness of self. One of the things I love about the Q process, I brought an affirmation from the Q. There's four affirmations there at the end of the, the, the writing. And re- I read them out loud every day. And this is the number one. It says, I appreciate how the source of my discomfort offers me a mirror unto my own needs for healing. I welcome the opportunity to give myself compassion. So the cue is really, a, a, really focused around self-love and compassion. Not selfishness, not self-centeredness, self-love. As if you were parenting a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter and witnessing and bringing yourself back into alignment. So when you're off the rails, you have enough awareness and enough practice to know, wait a minute, I've got to go back. I, I, I'm, I've lost my, my place. And bring yourself back. It's so simple, isn't it? I mean, it starts there. It starts with the union. It starts with the connection. It starts with being in nature. You know, it's so lovely to see it warm up finally. But the connection we find in nature, that's the divine, that's spirit. I quit going to church for about five years when I, was, I found this teaching, and then I, you know, and life got really good because I was working with a practitioner, and I was, I was doing a lot of things I wanted to do, and the moment I'm like, this is great. I'm never going to have to go back to church again as long as I live. Here I am, 20 years later. So what Dr. Holmes said, this is a beautiful, beautiful prayer in this chapter and how to build your today, tomorrow. And I've broken it down because it's a lot of content. And so the first statement in it is that it says, how do we do this? How do I choose? So this idea of choosing. He said, I have decided to change all this. The situation of dragging the past. I've decided to change all this. I have decided to change all this. I want to like people and I want them to like me and I want to get along happily with others. There's an idea, huh? Wow. That's not possible, is it, you think? It is. I've decided to change all things. I want to like people. I want them to like me. I want to get along happily with others. I forgive myself for everything that has happened up until now. I loose it and I let it go. I loose it and I let it go. And what we're finding with the cue process too, what, what gives it the juice is you have, to, you have to slow down and just think. Think about your quality. Think about forgiveness. Think about, uh, um, you know, I had a, I, yesterday I did the stupid, so I brought stupid today because what I found is when I was a little kid, um, my mother sent me to school. I was always the youngest in class. And so I always felt like she was trying to get rid of me. And, but what I, I realize now, what I've scripted is she realized how bright I was and she, she knew I could do it. But I always play, played catch up. And I, always, I didn't learn as fast because when you're four, the kids that are five, they're a little bit further along. But I realized what a gift it was because it forced me to learn in a new way. And, and, and so it forced me to not be normal. So I realized it's okay not to be normal. So if you didn't know that already, but to be normal is a beautiful thing too, but it's not, it's not in my, my uh, wheelhouse. 
but, but I wouldn't be with you and I wouldn't be doing what I'm... And so all of it that I thought well, she should have kept me at home and, you know, hugged me more. You know, I need more hugs. Oh, I didn't get enough hugs. She knew she was creating resilience. I'm four years old. She drops me off in an empty parking lot an hour before kindergarten starts with my lunchbox. I'm standing up against the brick wall, and she said, you be good today, and she had to run the other kids up to the other school, which was, you know, about 15 miles away. Here I am all alone. I'm standing there, just crying my eyes out. And so I realized that what I get to rescript is she saw the resilience, and she knew I'd be okay. Now, we would probably lock people up if they did that in this day and age, right? I mean, all of the, the stories, and, the, and look at all the drama we create. But my mom just knew in her heart of hearts it was going to be okay. And I get that. And so that's the story how I've rescripted it. So, and so it wasn't about me being stupid because I always felt behind with the other kids. It was about me just having to catch up, which is a really great way to learn. And, and so as I went along in life, I realized, no, I can remember stuff and I can learn stuff and I can do these things. And, I, and you catch up. But it wasn't, that was part of my path. And I picked the right mom to have the right path so that I could, so I could fulfill my soul's blueprint. And so it was really an act of love on her part. It wasn't trying to get rid of me or feel abandoned. And, but those were my experiences for a long time. So I went deep, deep, deep into the, the Q process yesterday. So Ernest continues, I've decided to change all this. I want to like people and I want them to like me. I want to get along happily. With others, I forgive myself for everything that has happened up till now, and I loose it, I let it go. I not only forgive myself, I forgive everyone who I feel has held anything against me. See, because they're just doing the best they can. And it does no good for us to perpetuate this story that someone has something against us. I've decided to change all this. I want to like people. I want them to like me. I want to get along happily with others. I forgive myself for everything that has happened up till now. I loose it and I let it go. I not only forgive myself, I forgive everyone who I feel has held anything against me. I forgive and I am forgiven. I forgive and I am forgiven. It's how we wash it clean. We wash it, wash it, wash it. It's not that we don't care, but, and those memories help shape a life, but how do we have our life? How do, our life, as Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza says, we are here. How does it feel to be invincible? It doesn't mean invincible to power over others, but that, that there's nothing that can diminish the truth of our being. That we all have experiences. We've all experienced disappointment. We've all had uh, uh, um, sorrow and trauma and tragedy. But we are so tripwired for health and goodness. The theme of life, Dr. Holmes talks about theme of life. So the affirmation from the cue around this idea, I know that nothing and no one is against me. I know nothing and no one is against me, not in my external world and not in my internal world. Life can only appear to be against me when I am being who I am not, my shadow self, which is the triggers, which is the unintegrated parts of myself. And so part of it is having the awareness and having the tools because we need tools. We need systems that we can operate with. Otherwise, everything is so random. I need tools. I need systems. Dr. Holmes said, knowing that God is the only presence and the only power in the universe and knowing that God is love, I deliberately turn from everything that is unlike this love. I desire that this love and compassion and well-wishing for others is the whole theme of my 
life. That love becomes the theme, despite what's going on in the world. You know, here in Toronto, we'll, we'll include the folks in Toronto that, you know, we live in a world where it's, there, there is just absolute insanity going on. And to have the, the, this experience of such sorrow of, of this random violence that gets played out, it's just sad, sorrowful. So how do we stand together and look at that and realize that there are people that are really, really struggling in the world? And it's not, it's not to judge it as right or wrong because as soon as we become you know, entrenched in a certain emotional state about it, we're not contributing to the greater good. Holmes' theme is always about love and compassion and well-wishing for others. Because what we long for another to have, we're longing for ourselves. There's no private good in this. It's all of our good. And it sounds simplistic, but see, good can be fierce. Good can be powerful. To take a stand for good... And when we see these things happening and be able to say to ourselves, that doesn't represent me. That's not, the, that's not who I came here to be. And what is going on with the, with the consciousness of the planet when these things are being played out? You know, two weeks ago it was the, the bus accident or three weeks ago with the, the, the hockey players. And all of a sudden we have something that's, and they're both tragic. They're both the, the death of a dream, of possibility and potential. So how can, we, how can we find good in that? How can we be part of the solution rather than the problem? To, and to, to be able to stand together and, and cry and mourn together, but not let us crush us and diminish us because we have work to do. We have to work to do in a consciousness. We're, the only way we're going to get through this, I know, it is, I know this with, for a certainty, is through the shift in consciousness. The simple practices, we think we're, we want to run out as if our hair's on fire and scream and holler into the night, and believe me, I've spent most of my life doing that. But it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to the peace and the love, the goodness that Dr. Holmes talks about. And it's hard to do that because it requires a mindfulness. Did you see Michelle, Michelle Obama? You know, that one of the problems that I have, and I think that the world has right now, is we're getting most of our news from Facebook. And Facebook is just, there's a lot of different things on Facebook. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, good or bad. It's great to know what your friend had for lunch. But there are other forms of news. Reading books, reading great books, great insight. Don't just accept everything that comes along. And Michelle Obama said, you know, to simply have a thought and then tweet it out, your first initial thought isn't your best thought. Your first initial thought, my first initial thought isn't my best thought. I need time to think and ponder and wait. Because if, I, if, I if I'm tripwired to, to tweet out whatever first thought I have, I start looking like the President of the United States and it's unacceptable. So the theme of our lives, of love, compassion, forgiveness... And Holmes says this, we do not have to change anyone. We don't have to change anyone but ourselves. Isn't that good news? We don't have to wait. If you wait to, to jump into your, your own uh, transformation and, because the person that you are, have the issues with becomes a better person, you're going to wait forever. We don't have to change anyone but ourselves. You know, and, and we move into the queue and we start to live in, in, from, a, a, um, uh, from the idea of who we've come here to be, which we select and my words change all the time, which is great. 
because I'm just for the good. I'm just good for, I'm, I'm for the compassion and the good. And how can I have more and more self-compassion so that when I make a mistake or that I start to get triggered, I can, I can come back to the love and compassion for myself. That's what I want for you. That's how I want to live my life in, the, in that infinite possibility. Well, Dr. Holmes said this, what we have to do is get back to some fundamental proposition which ties us directly into the mind of God this space, this divine intelligence, this genius. And with the simple acknowledgement that there is a law of good in which we have complete confidence, reverse our whole mental outlook on life. But when we start to connect with that, there's a good for me, that I, and I ought to have it, as Emma Curtis Hopkins said. He said, we did not make the laws of life, but we, we only use them. And I love that. We did not make the laws of life. And the beauty of this is, as we're going through this, no one can be hurt by this. They might be disappointed, you know. We might stop gossiping at work, and then people start wondering, what happened to you? You're no fun anymore. Let's talk about somebody. Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go sit in that corner and read a book. What is wrong with you? But those, that's what happens. That's a good sign. That's not a bad sign. And they may join you in that. You never know. Some will come along with us and some won't. But what's important is that, that we do our work. We continue to do our washing clean. Holmes says, Dr. Holmes says, but how can we do this unless our faith in life is greater than our fear, unless hope rises triumphant over despair, or until love cancels out everything unlovable? God is not separate from what he or she is doing. Isn't that interesting? So you want to talk about where the connection is? It's right now. It's right where you are. You are the divine presence. And the more that you open to that, and, and, and Margie said in the meditation about the spinning energy, that's what the chakras do, they spin. Our chakras in our body, the Hindus have known this for thousands of years, they spin, they absorb energy, they give off energy. But all of it, all of the energetic of it is, the, is tied into the system of the divine, of the sacred. God is not separate from what he or she is doing. The divine life is in everyone and in everything. So I have this, um, I want everyone, I want to invite you to come on up. We, we see all this, what I have, before, I'm going to unveil. It's the unveiling. We're going to unveil right now, and I'm going to invite you all to come up and um, grab a bottle of water. So come on up. There should be plenty. And then I'll explain to you what it is. It's okay. It's supposed to do that. Yeah, it's the tumbling. I like in spring. You're very welcome. Welcome. You're very welcome. This is part of your homework for this week. Dr. John, there you go. I'm going to get you one right here. You bet. My pleasure. You're very welcome. David, you're very welcome. You've made the pilgrimage to the sacred blessed water. You're very welcome, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, you're... Oh, you bet. You're very welcome. Hey, Mick. Good morning. You are welcome. Donna, 
Barb. Oh, see that. Mary. Maureen. See, look at this. All right. So I want to read you a story from Derek Rydell's book and see if you resonate with this at all. And it's titled, the chapter is titled, uh, it's uh, stage four, Give What Appears Missing. My husband and I can't say two words to each other without drawing blood. Jill cried to her therapist. The second he walks through the door, we're at each other's throats. Deep down, I know that love's still there, but it seems hopelessly buried. Listening intently, the therapist reached into his drawer, and he pulled out a bottle of water, and he handed it to her. This is holy water. It is blessed by a swami from India, he said. For the next week, whenever your husband's about to enter the room, take a drink, hold some of it on your tongue, and look into his eyes. Here, I'll model that for you. <laughs> After a couple of seconds, swallow it. You should notice an improvement in your interaction right away. Jill went home and waited eagerly for her other half to return, and when he walked in, she took a swig of the blessed water and silently held his gaze. He gave her a suspicious look and then grinned curiously. She swallowed the water and asked how his day had gone. Amazingly, they didn't argue. In fact, they had one of the most intimate talks in recent memory. The next night before he came to bed, Jill snuck another jolt of the powerful liquid, performing the same ritual. After a few moments, it was as if a veil was lifted, and she now saw him in a whole new light. She saw him for the first time again, saw the man she had fallen in love with. The predictable fight never came, and the rest of the night was anything but predictable. The following week, with her water supply depleted and her love life nearly replenished, Jill returned to the therapist, proclaiming that the treatment was healing her marriage and that she needed to get a hold of more holy water. Fast. The therapist smiled and revealed that the magic potion that the magical potion was nothing but store-bought mountain spring bottled water. The power that healed her relationship wasn't from some swami in India or some sacred elixir. It had been in her all along. So I want you to take that bottle of water with you. And when you find yourself getting triggered and you're going to say something that you know is probably not going to take you down the path you want to go, that doesn't line up with who you've come here to be, you just do this. But actually, you know, it's been in here with us. And I've been praying over the water since I picked it up. And uh, it didn't come from uh, India. It actually came from Costco. But that's pretty sacred. It's the, the church of Costco. So I just want to um, leave you with this last um, slide from Eckhart Tolle. This is so beautiful. And, you know, Eckhart... I, I saw Eckhart years ago when I was a new minister. I went to Vancouver for a minister's conference, and this guy named Eckhart Tolle or whatever was doing a presentation. So I went in there, and there were like 12 people, and he was doing his thing. Who knew? 
But Eckhart says this, see if you can catch yourself complaining in either speech or thought about a situation you find yourself in. What other people do or say, your surroundings, your life situation, even the weather. To complain is always non-acceptance of what is. To complain is always non-acceptance of what is. It invariably carries an unconscious negative charge. Hallelujah. When you complain, you make yourself a victim. Leave the situation or accept it. All else is madness. So now you have a bottle of holy water to help you out on that journey. Let's keep yourself washed clean. And so it is. Hallelujah. Amen.